This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them people approve of their boasts. Salah. Like sheep they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Selah. Those are verses 13 to 15 of Psalm 49, which along with Psalm 53 are the Psalms appointed for today, Wednesday, September the 7th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are uh, looking, continuing to look at the book of Job. It's Job's answer again today in chapter 29, verse 1, and then chapter 30, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 16 to 31, and then uh, the Gospel according to John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 16, and then in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 14, verses 19 to 28. A reminder, I use the um, lectionary from the um, Episcopal Book of Common Prayer from 1979. That's the source that I use for these lessons, and so I, I don't choose them myself. I just use whatever's there. And I do it for a couple of different reasons, not the least of which is is that that, that way I don't focus on the things that I like the best. <laughs> and so I like the challenge of, of trying to deal with the whole counsel of God. So I'm, I've got Old Testament, um, epistle, and gospel every single day. And, and I'm not the one who chooses them, so I, I can't look at them in the beginning and go, this goes with this, goes with this, goes with this. And, and there's a reason for doing it that way. I mean, it's, they're not random by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, the, the whole counsel of God preaches the same message. It preaches a unified message. Um, and so we need to be able to, to pull out from any part of Scripture we're in, we need to be able to, to apply that to today. And we need to apply the principles for always. <clears throat> so again, Job took up his discourse and said, but now they laugh at me. He, yesterday he had said, I used to go into the marketplace. I used to go wherever I went, and I was the most respected man in the place because God had blessed me so much. And then I had done all these other things. And so what he's saying now, but now, that's what he's talking about. But now they laugh at me, men who are younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to set with the dogs of my flock. What could I gain from the strength of their hands, men whose vigor is gone? And so he's, he's saying that, that I, I've been brought incredibly low, not only by losing everything that I had, not only with the failure of my health, but also the, in, in every other way in the world. Where I used to command much respect, now they laugh at me. And now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bones and the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. With great force, my garment is disfigured. It binds me about like the collar of my tunic. God has cast me into the mire, and I become like dust and ashes. I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it, and you toss me about with the roar of the storm. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. I mean, he's not just lost hope in this life. He, he's saying, you know, that, that, that I'm absolutely hopeless. There's nothing that I can do. I have no strength left in me in any shape, form, or fashion. I can't do anything to respond other than to cry out to you. That's it. And, and it, I, you just shake me like a rag doll, and I don't understand what I've done. I don't understand why you would treat me this way. That's exactly what he's saying. And ultimately, I know that you'll bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. And that's where in before, in that psalm that I read today, God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. To, to, to be um, 
ransomed from the power of Sheol. The shower, Sheol is the place of the dead. It's not really hell. That's not what that means. It's the place of the dead and where they go to stay. And so that's what, what he's saying here is, is he's got the opposite of that. Job has lost hope that God will be his salvation and deliverer. Ultimately, he says, I'm just going to die. And that's all that it is. Yet does not one in a heap of ruins stretch out his hand at any in his disaster cry for help? I mean, I have to continue to do this. Even if I don't have hope, I have to keep doing this. Did not I weep for him whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? In other words, other, I cared for other people. Who is there now to care for me? But when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. My inward parts are in turmoil and never still. Days of affliction come to meet me. I go about darkened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. I'm a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches. My skin turns black and falls from me, and my bones burn with heat. My lyre is turned to mourning, and my pipe to the voice of those who weep. And he's just saying, I've lost hope. That's the, that's the whole point of that, is that this is so bad. This is absolutely so bad. It's hopeless, and there's no one who cares for me. Even these who have come don't care for me at all. Uh, And the proof is the way that they uh, bring vexation upon me by accusing me of sin and accusing me of being to blame for my own situation. And, And it would be just absolutely brutal. But it happens. It may not happen to somebody's face, but behind their backs, people say this kind of stuff. I mean, I've been there. Like I said, I've been around a while. (laughs) I've been in ministry a while. I know how people think, and I know what people will say. And it's absolutely unbelievable that Christians would say such things and do such things to one another and bring greater trouble on than otherwise would have been the case. Here in the gospel today, this is there's so many contradictions in some ways in, in this little passage from John 11. This is uh, about the death of Lazarus. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now, Mary, uh, th- this, that story about anointing the Lord with ointment and wiping his feet with her hair is not found in the Gospel of John. So John's referring to something he expects you will know from the other Gospels. So he's referring pointedly to those and and affirming the truth of the story of the woman who anointed Jesus with oil and then wiped his feet with her hair at the home of um, a Pharisee. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love, Lazarus, is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified through it. So everybody there, when they get the message, have to hear, okay, so Jesus is going to do something, obviously. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, and this is, that's the weirdest word right here. He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Those two things don't seem to go together. If he loved them, then it's not um, a foregone conclusion that the way of showing love is to stay where he was and not go. But that's exactly how John words it. He loved them enough to do his greatest miracle. before them by raising their brother Lazarus from the dead. 
It's the greatest miracle prior to his own resurrection. And he loved them enough that they became the subjects of this. He could have gone and saved him from death, and everybody believed that he could have healed him and kept him from dying, but he waited long enough so that there was a miracle no one had ever seen before and no one would ever see again. <clears throat> so when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again. Remember, there's two different places in chapter 10 where they pick up stones. <clears throat> Jesus answered, Aren't they, are, are there not 12 hours in the day? Anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And I'm sure the disciples at this point are sitting there looking at him thinking, I have no earthly idea what that means. What does that have to do with our situation? And what he's saying is, is that the time comes in a specific time. It's all God's timing. So if you walk in the day, you don't stumble because you see the light of the world. So you go and you do the things that the Father tells you to do, and you do it while it's still day. After saying these things, he said to them, my friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awake him. And that's, this is the reason that I can say they were probably extremely perplexed about that previous statement. So, Because he, he says, our friend has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant re- taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So even now, Jesus is concerned that their belief is not true faith, that they don't believe enough. They believe some things about him. They believe he's capable of all kinds of things, but, but they're not there yet. They haven't yet figured out who he really is. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. So eat, drink, and, tomorrow, eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. So they agree to go with him, but, but without any real hope. <laughs> their expectation is this is going to be the end of all things. <clears throat> in the Acts passage, remember yesterday, Barnabas and, and Paul have gone to Lystra and Derby, and they were uh, quite well received there <laughs> at Lystra. And, and in fact, they were so well received that people were prepared to sacrifice to them and worship them because they thought they were gods because of the healing of the man who had been born crippled. And then they had to set him straight and say, no, 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 that's not us. We are, we are not gods. Uh, we're just men like you. There is a God, the one who healed. But what, And so now, after this great reception, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. This is Pisidian Antioch and Iconium, which is where they'd just been. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. So you're up one day, the next you're down. That's an old John Prine statement um, from a song called That's the Way the World Goes Round. And so yesterday... They were about to be worshipped. Today, they're gonna, they get stoned, or Paul gets stoned and dragged out of the city because they thought he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. I mean, there's this, in this great sort of, he, he comes back from what everybody presumes is death, and he goes back into the city. I mean, there's a, there's a great episode in Band of Brothers where something very similar to this happens. Not that the guy doesn't get stoned, though. He just takes a great risk, a personal risk, and then um, it, it succeeds, and then he goes back. And, and it's, it's a great thing, but you can see this with Paul. Paul doesn't care. He, he goes back to the city, and then the next day he goes with Barnabas to Derby. 
And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, the place where they just stoned him, and then to Iconium and to Antioch. And again, that's Pisidian Antioch. <clears throat> so what did they do? So they go back. They're, 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 they got to, to uh, Derby, which was sort of the end of the line, essentially. And then they turn around and they come back to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. You think? Including being stoned. I mean, <laughs> it's that Paul dealt with more tribulation and difficulty than any man I've ever seen in my life. And, and he did it gladly, he did it willingly, and he did it all the time. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And then they went on from there. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Adaliah. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, which is where they started this missionary journey. They'd been sent out from Antioch on this missionary journey. And now they've returned to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that had been fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. And you've got to believe that Paul did tell his story. He told what happened in all these places where he had been uh, beset upon by these other these Jewish people who then stirred up some of the other Greeks, and then they came after him and persecuted him everywhere he went. But, but Paul didn't care. Because everywhere he went, he just preached the gospel, no matter how much opposition he faced in those places, and he continually saw uh, a harvest of souls in these places. And so God was continuing to use him, and so long as God was using him, so long as he was seeing people come to faith, Paul persevered in the work that he had been given to do. He's an amazing man. He, he is the most single-minded person on behalf of the gospel outside of Jesus you'll ever see. He, he didn't seemed to care at all for his own person. None of that mattered to him. Only the proclamation of the gospel and seeing the harvest of souls, being working with God, seeing God do great things was all Paul really wanted to do. And it, it's, it's truly amazing. Paul's attitude could have been like Job, you know. It could have been, woe is me, woe is me, there's no hope. I'm constantly being uh, beset by evil. But it never was. It never was. Paul just persevered. He knew what was waiting for him. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world to know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It makes all the difference in the world. When we say the creeds, we should say it so hopefully it makes us want to sing. We should say those things in such a way that it proves that we don't just acknowledge them to be true, but these are the greatest truths that we will ever know in our lives. We cannot know anything greater than that. And, that. and that is what should drive us every single day of our lives. Sadly, it doesn't. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. So it's, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. But our attitude makes all the difference in the world. We see that, that issue of attitude with John Mark, who turns back and goes away. We see the issue of attitude with Job. We see the issue of attitude with Thomas, who says, let's go that we may die with him. That's not a hopeful statement. Is that the way we think? I mean, our attitude, our beliefs should completely inform our attitudes about every single thing, every single day of the week. Attitude is what killed 
Elijah, what ruined Elijah's ministry. It's, it's when he said, I can't take this anymore. I'm tired of being under pressure. I'm going to leave the people behind. I'm going to abandon them. And he believed that only he was left. Well, I've known too many Christians whose attitude is other than joy and other than hope. I don't like being around those kind of Christians. Those kind of Christians don't interest me in the least. It's painful to be around some people because they despise. They despise the day. They despise their situation. And they allow that to overwhelm completely their joy and hope. Don't be that person. Don't be that woman. Don't be that man. I've known people of, of both who, who do this. And, and it's awful. There's no excuse for it. We should always be hopeful. We should always be filled with joy. And we should always persevere because we know that in all things God is sovereign. No matter what our situation, God's sovereign over that. He has us exactly where he wants us. We can trust in that. We can believe that. It may not be the place we want to be, but it's exactly the place God needs us to be. So let's bloom where we're planted and continue to persevere in joy and hope in all things.